Hello, and welcome to Series 1 of The Power of Impact, Stories of a Better Future. My name is David Simmons, and in each episode, I shall be talking to someone about the charity they lead and how they manage to prove the effectiveness of that charity. My next interview is with Bernice Hardy of Wave. Bernice Hardy, hello. Hello, David. <laughs> so, um, I've known you quite a while, mm-hmm. on and off, uh, various, you know, going to meetings and stuff in London and Charles McLaughlin's group. So, tell me um, about your life and what made you start what you're doing now. Um, oh, that's a nice, easy question. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I am... Uh, 62-year-old lady of Caribbean heritage, and um, I have three children, the oldest of which is 32 years old and has Down syndrome, and Mm -hmm. then two young boys. Um, When I say young, the youngest is 23. Um, (laughs) And we have basically been a mixed and mixed race family from the word go. My husband is um, English. And when my daughter was born, um, that was like a bombshell, um, basically, because there was no prediction that she Mm. would have Down syndrome. And uh, going back more than three decades, the way in which people responded to the diagnosis of Down syndrome was very negative. Um, And yes, that affected me as affected our family. Um, And that, although I didn't start doing what I'm doing now, which Mm -hmm. is running the charity wave, which stands for we're all valued equally. uh, That was the the pebble in the the pond, if you like, that that started Mm -hmm. the process. Interesting. Great metaphor, actually. Uh, I often use the pebble in the pond metaphor because the ripples just go out and out forever, don't they? And I think, interesting, of course, that your charity called Wave, which is also a water metaphor. Um, So tell me about um, your daughter growing up and Mm -hmm. uh, how things changed and how how it changed your thinking in terms of what could be done for other people. Yeah. So... I, I do remember when um, the doctor came to tell us that uh, Jess had Down syndrome, he asked, do you know anyone else with Down syndrome? And the only memory that I could pull up was when I was at school and our school used to go and visit a special school where there were students with Down syndrome. And it, it was not a good memory. Right. Um, And there were also memories of seeing people with learning disabilities being bussed Mm -hmm. out of the town that I grew up in, Wellingborough. You never knew where they were going. You just saw them being bussed away from the community. And so I never had any connection with people with Down syndrome. And the connections that I had had were not positive. Right. Um, And so, yeah the response was one of sadness, uncertainty, a deep desire to protect my daughter from what mm-hmm. I thought lay ahead. Um, and yes, yeah, 
it, it was not it was not good um mm. and I remember my husband phoned the Down Syndrome Association and he was told at the time, bless them, they just used to tell you all the bad stuff, like this is the percentage who never walk, this is the percentage who never talk, this is the percentage who never become continent. And, and you're like, oh my goodness me. But for some reason, something inside of me said, well, that's not going to be our daughter. Wow. And um, yeah, and that set me stroke us off on a journey of just doing everything that I could to make sure that she had a life that was satisfying for her. Mm -hmm. Wow, that is so powerful. And the determination that she would not have all these negative outcomes, I think, is a really powerful one. And one which um, many people would, would take great comfort from i'm sure and strength because you do need strength in this world to bring up any child let alone a child with a diagnosis such as that yeah and i remember the 70s and the 80s it was a very different time i think we are so much more enlightened now yes yeah as yeah. you see i mean i have a friend whose daughter has down syndrome she's she's a star on yeah. loads of adverts and stuff yes because there is this acceptance, there is this change, step change in the way people think societally. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, and then we had the change of your own, you know, you decided to create this, this charity. Tell us about that and how it, how it birthed and mm. of it. Yeah. So, <laughs> all the, um, uh, we made the decision to send Jess to mainstream school. Uh, it wasn't an easy decision at the time. She was the first pupil with Down syndrome at her primary school, her junior school, her secondary school. And so, uh, uh, you know, bless her, she was always sort of like pioneering and, and knocking down some of the preconceptions and barriers that existed at that time. Um, but having made it through mainstream school um, well actually she got to around about the age of 14 15 I think or maybe a bit younger when the the difference between her and her peers became more marked um, right. not intellectually um, although obviously there was a difference there that wasn't the issue the issue was that socially girls become far more um verbal in the way that they play they become far more aware and conscious of their looks and what they want to project about themselves um and jess was just being very much marginalized as a result and i thought well we've made it to the age of 13 with her in mainstream school this is the time to accept that she'd be better in a special school and i went to see a special school um and i said jess how about you going to this school and she said no mum Alexandra Park is my school and that's where I'm going to stay. So it was her strength rather than mine that kept her in mainstream. Um, we found mainstream social places for her. She had a wonderful guide and rangers group that just accepted her and she um, she loved that. She loved inclusive theatre group, Haringey Shed that she went to, oh, yes. which was just that I think actually, if I think back now, that was a turning point because mm -hmm. I'm a market researcher by profession and I did some work for Haringey Shed and I spoke to the young people with and without learning disabilities that were involved there. 
um, asking them, what is Haringey shit about? You know, expecting them to say inclusion, accepting people. All they talked about was making brilliant theatre where everybody has a part to play. Wow. And I thought, mm, if, why isn't the rest of the world like that? These are young people that have grown up with people who are different to them. And mm -hmm. they learn to accept and appreciate and seek the value and the gifts of those people to make sure that everybody is included in what they produce. And it was all about doing good theatre rather than, well, I look after this person with learning disabilities. Um, so I think that planted a seed for me. And when Jess left school, I just decided that we needed to find somewhere where she could continue to interact with her mainstream peers. Right. Looked high and low and there was nothing and we live in London so if there was going to be anything anywhere it was going to be in London but there was there was nothing post-19 um, and so we started WAVE we started with WAVE Church because she had a faith mm -hmm. and there was a desire for her to continue to grow in that faith um, but she just couldn't really get the most out of our mainstream church services so we started WAVE Church which was a place where people with and without learning disabilities could worship together in an accessible way. And then other other groups started from there. Mm. And yeah, here we are 14 years later. <laughs> 14 years, wow. And you became a separate charity from the church eventually? Yes, yes. So Wave Church became, actually Wave Church became a fresh expression because the church didn't really know what to do with us. <laughs> We were like this satellite. Oh, what are they? What do we do with them? And, and being the church, <laughs> being concerned with safeguarding, how do we make sure they're doing things safely and the vulnerable adults are being protected? So, um, so eventually it was decided that Wave Church would become a fresh expression. We started mm -hmm. the charity Wave for Change in yep. order to help others to start similar groups. Right. So there was a desire once we had seen the impact of what we were doing in our local community, we were given the impetus and we had the desire to try and encourage others to do similarly. It's not the first time I've heard of theatre making a significant change in yeah. someone's life. It's yeah. interesting, isn't it? Because uh, theatre is something which is so catalytic, I think, mm. to so many people for so many reasons. Mm. And for that to become Jess's expression, yes. Um, is is just just wonderful, and from then to think, well, this could be applied to the whole of life. Yeah, so everyone can be included, and it's not about the people or the inclusion. It's about the product, the thing. Yeah, it's it, about working on something together. And I think it, it's not just theatre; it's the arts, mm -hmm. Cre yep. creative Endeavor. activity mm. seems to be a leveling activity i mean i i i remember um if you if you look at the civil rights movement mm -hmm. it wasn't well obviously all of the campaigning and all of the uh fights that people had to go through to make a difference there was important but one of the significant differences was when harry belafonte and petula clark held hands when wow. they were singing a song and that was like Oh my goodness, you know. Yes, yes, that yes. Was the music industry saying, come on, guys, this you this know a change. Yeah. Mm. Well, the music has always led away in, in that in, in a sense, because we inherit so much. Yeah. 
and we we cross pollinate so much it's yeah. so powerful yeah. um yeah the arts well i could I, yeah <laughs> <laughs> it could be, could be. <laughs> yeah. so when we when we started wave club and wave cafe um the focus was on having integrating activities and right. by integrating activities i meant i mean something that was simple and fun that people with and without learning disabilities could sit and do alongside each other that took a lot of the pressure off of socializing together because you're focusing on the activity rather right. than on what am i going to say to this person well, exactly. and, and then conversations just happen naturally as, as you color or draw you realize you're not much better yeah. Than else. yeah this person can blow an egg just as badly as this person <laughs> yeah that's really powerful as well that is so good so i mean in terms of outcomes we're 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 rattling through them because we've got the outcomes of of the theater itself you know giving you the inspiration to create this thing we, we've got the outcomes of you know people working together and playing together and just mm -hmm. being together and not having that effect you know on their not having any kind of um you know negative or positive it's just you're just hanging out yeah yeah, they're all the pressures off. It's so great. Mm -hmm. And so, what's Wave in a Box? Is that part of? Yes, Wave in a Box was our way of packaging up the learning and the experience and the resources that we had collected locally in okay. our groups um, and activities, and saying this is what we found works. This is what we have found helpful. And it's not to say this is the only way you can do it, but it's to say, here are some ideas, here are some resources, here's some learning. If you want to start, here's a good place to start. <clears throat> here's a good place to promote. Here are the priorities that you should not lose sight of. One of those mm -hmm. big priorities is try to make sure that you have a mixed ability team so yeah. that you're not just doing it for people, you're doing it with people. Um, so, yeah, we basically created this online hub of resources that we call Wave in a Box. And right. it also includes peer-to-peer um, -peer support. We have a WaveMaker forum that meets once a term where anybody looking to start a new group can come and learn from others that are doing similar things. Well, so it's, uh, yeah, your applied learning and the things you've, the things you've realized along the way that are critical to making sure you don't lose sight of the main thing. Exactly. With these things to forget the main thing and just get bogged down in the bureaucracy of, yeah. of, of, of stuff. Yeah. And it's very simple. I mean, it's not very simple. It's very easy to get people to get involved in work that is to help people with learning disabilities you have a lot of well-meaning people who will do that mm. but that's not moving us forward right it's, it's solving an immediate problem but it's not changing the fundamental underlying reason why these people get marginalized and excluded and at worst abused you have mm. to value the individuals and that only happens when you're not looking down on them and thinking I've come to help you when yeah. you realize actually I'm being blessed by mm. what I'm having to learn and the way I'm being with you and that it's a two-way street um and that yeah that's the hardest thing 
to, to get across to people, well-meaning, loving people, when they come to be part of WAVE. It's interesting. It, one of the things we talked about in, I think, episode five with Avril McIntyre, mm -hmm. um, quick plug there, <laughs> 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 <haven't heard> it. <laughs> is the whole thing of um, not being done to. Yeah. How so often we, we come with this sort of patrician attitude of, look, we're here to help. Yeah. But actually getting the people themselves, the beneficiaries, so to speak, yeah. to create their own projects. Yeah. To, advise them to fund yeah get funding for them and we had that um a lady who uh has cerebral palsy mm -hmm. she came up with this idea of having an exercise group where you could exercise in your wheelchair yeah that's that's taken off yeah area is mm -hmm. fantastic yeah. and uh, it was her idea mm -hmm. we got to fill out the forms because goodness knows <laughs> you know but yeah she overcame all the barriers to do that. And it really has helped her in yeah. you know, her confidence and also helped a lot of people get slightly fitter. Yes. Um, so, yeah, stories. Do you have stories that you could tell? Apart from your own, of course. Yeah, I think um, I think it's how much being part of WAVE continues to change me. Right. If, even though I went into it, being inspired by a calling and understanding what the aim of that calling was, I am still being changed by the process. Right. So I um, I notice things more. So one of our, at Wave Church, we have a young lady with Down syndrome who's about 15 years older than Jess. So she's even the generation above that, where there was no expectation of yeah. being educated, et cetera. Um, and uh, she co-leads uh, the, the, the introduction to, to WAVE when we meet, etc. And when she first started doing that 10 years ago, um, her voice was very quiet and you could hardly hear what she was saying. And then last summer she was introducing WAVE and I thought, she's actually, her whole persona had changed. Her voice was clearer, her confidence was greater. And it made me realize because you, it was happening gradually, I didn't notice, but something made me notice that day. This is a different young lady. And I realized, I don't know whether it's because she was speaking more clearly and loudly or we were listening better. Right. But all the fact she knew that people were listening to her. So mm -hmm. she, she didn't have to be worried that people were gonna start talking because she wasn't speaking quickly enough or clearly enough. She knew she had people's attention. Um, and so that was, yeah, that was a wake up call for wow. me to, to, to no notice the small things because often it is small things. It's, mm -hmm. it's a marathon, not a sprint. We're, we're not sort of suddenly there. You have to notice the small progress that's being made. And that is always the case, I think, with any charity. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I was always impressed with, with our little group, with Charles McLaughlin, that we used to get together and talk about the various things we were doing, struggles we were having. Mm -hmm. The fact that so many of the people, they just, they were kind of overwhelmed, both by the, the nature of the work, but also by their passion and wanting to, to deal with this societal issue. Yes. Gradually over time, the things began to be realized mm. and the confidence of the group grew as a, as a result. And yeah. um, 
people moved on, people changed, but the charities have grown. Yeah. Thinking of baby basics, particularly. I know. It's gone ballistic. Yes. Yeah. It's mad. But yeah. um, it all started with Hannah Peck in her little room. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, at the back of a church. Yeah. Team which grew and then it just grew from there and just snowballed. And I think of I think of others. I think of Rachel Warwick with Make Lunch. I think of yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's just it's it's got a but it is a marathon. It's a long-term thing. Oh, and yeah. Yeah. It's bigger than us, I think, is what yeah. I'm trying to say. So yeah. you also have a new patron, is that right? Yes, yes. Um, Bishop Sarah <laughs> very kindly agreed to be our patron. Wow. And actually, she came and visited us at Wave Church in September. Um, and I hope I'm not sharing any confidences, but when a bishop comes to visit uh, <laughs> a regular church, there's all these forms you have to fill in as, you know, if you want her to wear robes and what would you expect? And, and, our, and our team very much felt we just want her to come and worship with us. We yes. don't want yes. her to feel that she has to be anything other than herself and enjoy being part of our worshipping community. And, um, and I think that was very much how she felt when she came. When she introduced herself, she didn't introduce herself as Bishop Sarah. She introduced herself as Sarah, and um, it was it was a lovely, lovely um, meeting that we had. And because we are um, ecumenical, there are lots of different denominations in our in our group, and um, most people didn't even know what a bishop was. So the first <laughs> question was, "What is a bishop, and what do you do?" And she she graciously answered that. She used to be a nurse, of course. She yes. was a senior, yeah. senior um, nurse who then transitioned to becoming a vicar, and now she's Bishop Sarah Mullally. Yes. Yeah. An amazing, yeah. amazing person. And um, fantastic for you to have such great endorsement. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, everybody look out for WAVE, W-A-V-E. <laughs> We're all valued equally. It's, oh. it's going places. Oh, that's really kind of you to say that, David, because when you're sat at your desk, oh, yeah. chugging through the stuff, you're thinking, <laughs> oh, are we making any real difference here? Yeah. But you, yeah. you do have to look back. You have to look back and say, oh, actually, yeah, look how far we've come. Even though there's still a huge way to go, you have to look back and see. How you do. And it, it is a long term thing. It's a marathon, not a sprint, like we said. But also the whole outcome measurement thing. I think people get overwhelmed by how am I supposed to measure the effect? Well, quite often it's stuff we don't expect. Yes. Like that young girl who became a woman with a voice. Yes. It's stuff you think, wow, I'm surprised that we've done that. Yes. Yeah. Together we've all done that together. Yes. Yes. Um, and so, yeah. Wow. Yeah. We had um, we had an exhibition last week um, up at Ali Pali, and oh. one of the well, lots of things made me smile, but one of the biggest smiles I had was when um, one of our wave makers came up to me and said, "Benice, I've just spoken to to um, Nick, who's on your team, your mixed ability team, and he said he's always nervous, but when he puts on his wave T-shirt." He feels confident. And I just, that just, wow. It's worth it for me for that. It really is. Oh, that's precious. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I suppose, I suppose to a certain extent, um, not to go too 
in depth on it, but it's a kind of an NLP type thing. Mm. Put on a suit to feel powerful. Yeah. Or a Formula One driver has their routine of putting on all their stuff before yeah. they go into the car. Yeah. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah. So exciting. Yeah. It's a t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. But it means he this is who I am. Yes. Uh, he has autism, you know, he has his struggles. But when he puts on his t-shirt, he's part of the team and he people recognize him. And yeah, the role and he, yeah, it was. I hadn't realized it made such a difference, but clearly it did to him. It really does. Yeah. Bernice, it's been a joy. Thank you so much for your time. I won't keep you any longer. You're welcome. Um, I hope some of that made sense. We've been rattling off. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been absolutely brilliant. Thank you for spending your time listening to this. Do subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already done so. And feel free to follow me, David Simmons, of Absolute Communication and Cinema Network, on LinkedIn. Thank you.